welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about how important it is to discuss your problems when you've got that sweet, sweet Skywalker blood. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week, we're going to talk about chapters 13 through 16 of book three of Legacy of the Force, Tempest. But first, bum bum bum, previously on Forever Canon. Good cop, also good cop situation. Lumaya's got a sweet GAG suite. Jason's not girlfriend and not daughter arrive. And the solos make a bloodthirsty new BFF. But that was last week. This week, we start with chapter 13. Jane and Zek, surprisingly. Yeah. Yes. Thought we were maybe going to pick up where we left off with the solos and the, and the hand... Steak squeezing blood drinker. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Supposedly called Nashta, but we are not picking up there. Moving on to Jane and Zek. And they are on Terraphon. Again, not Telephon, like I said in my notes. But I had to go back and look. I'm pretty sure it is a real planet. But I think I got confused for a legitimate reason, not just a stupid person reason. Eh. Eh. Well, I'll, I'll look it up later. We'll see. Know. I'm pretty sure. I feel good about it. Anyways. Jane and Zek are on Terraphon in the Hape system, but they're in the transitory mists, I say, with air quotations, where transmissions can't get in and out. Yeah, and sensors, like, they don't they don't get the hollow news or any of that. Yeah, and it, like, it, the sensors was a good point. Like, it, you can't really scan the system or the planets are in the transitory mist. You just can't get data through the thick, thick space clouds. Yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty much how it goes. So they are here. It's like when it's overcast and your satellite goes out. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly like that, but in space. Yeah, yeah. You're, no, not space planetary satellite. clouds. No space clouds. <laughs> Same problems though, believe it or not. Yeah. So they can't get a message through. So Jane and Zek are on Terraphon in the Hape system to hand deliver a message from Tenelka. To the Galmi family out here on their estate, I guess. Yeah, I guess. On Terraphon. Well, actually, what they say it is 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 Duca Galmi, which I'm thinking is just like Space Dutch or Space Duke, I mean. It's Space Dutch for Space Duke. Is it Duke or is it It's Duca. It's Duca. I don't know. I read it like a K. You want to call it Ducha? I don't know. I think it's the same idea. I think it's a title. I don't think that's her name, right? No, but I think like it's I think title. that's Lady Galney, like Tenelka's like handmaiden. Yeah. Like that's her sister. It's the same family for sure. But I I just mean like I think Duca means like a duke. Like Yeah, I think like, I, I, I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jack Black yeah. and uh, his boy Kyle Gas. But they're hand delivering a message because you can't get messages through the transitory mess. I've already said that five times now in the first three and a half minutes of this podcast. But it's very important. So important, in fact, that Jaina takes the time to stare up into space while they're standing on the planet. And she seems to think it's very suspicious that there's an entire Hapen fleet forming up out above yeah. this planet. Yeah. She thinks to herself, how would they even know about the attack on Tenel Ka by now? But we're here to tell them about it. That's why they're there. Oh, yeah. The... Because they can't get a message through. They wouldn't I... know. And the Galney family is a loyal family to Tenel Ka, so they're, like, trying to rally the supporters, right? Yeah, rally the troops. Yeah. 
And the thing about that is that there's a very suspicious fleet forming up above the planet. Suspicious. Very suspicious. Jane and Zek make their way to what is the, the Duca Galni. She has like a hunting resort is what it is. Yeah. And it's like a bunch of, I don't know, houses, buildings, and then a big main building. Like a, like a, like a, uh, what do you call that? Like a hangar. Yeah. There's a hangar in there. Space hangar. On their way over there, on their way over to the estate, Jaina notices, oh my God, Zach is giving me the cold shoulder. And she's like, why? Just because I freaked out on you after that, you know, when my parents were murderers? Why? Because yeah. I wasn't nice to you? And he's like, nah, I'm just over you. Jaina is shocked. Yeah. Jaina is that Pikachu meme <laughs> where he's just got that very shocked face. I was a little Jaina shocked. Jaina says, too. You're not my boyfriend. And then Zach says, Okay, I'm not your boyfriend. And then Jaina is shocked. Yeah. I, w- I was really also quite shocked because Zake's. Zake. Zake, yeah. Zach's been the puppy chasing after him. I almost just corrected you to call him Zeke. <laughs> That's not right either. Okay, Zach, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's... He's been following at her heels the whole time. And then now, I guess that was like the straw that, I don't know, broke the wishful camel's back, man. But they. They laugh it off together, like, ha, 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 oh, now I can shower before you go to sleep and stuff. And he's like, ah, I always wondered why I was having weird those weird dreams <laughs> at night. Blah, blah, blah. Like, immediately, they're just, like, chummy, laugh it off. Joke, yeah. Joke about our, our now past unrequited love. That which was three seconds ago. Yeah, it's, like, a, a very quick emotional turn, but maybe because it was so overdue. Cause yeah. It's been, it's been two and a half books of them being uncomfortable around each other, her like being mean to him. Every scene with them since the beginning has been kind of weird. Yeah. Her just being a jerk. basically, Just like a weird juvenile discomfort. Like, yeah, not actual 30 year old adults having conversations. Just, I like her. <laughs> I don't like you. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, come on. What? I don't know. Anyways, quick emotional turn. We've, we've rounded that corner now. It's over. Yeah. Let's put that behind us. Let, let us fine. make that turn as hopefully, well. Hopefully now we're done with it. All done with this. The, not my boyfriend, Jaina, and we can make her a better character moving forward. So much has been focused around Zach. I'm done with it. That's yeah, been all of her absolutely. stuff so far. Let's move on. Let's move on. So they move on over to Duke Galney's estate. They finally make it to the gate. She being the sister Lieutenant Cause, Lady Galney. Again, air quotes, because I think that's a title too. But I, I would think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Could be a name. But space, bro. You can name anybody anything you want. Yeah. I think I won't name somebody Lady if I live in space. <laughs> Get over it. Maybe I'm not even human. Okay. The thing about this is that the place is suspiciously empty for an entire estate with a family worth of nobles, you know? There's literally nobody around. Jaina thinks, very suspicious. How strange. Again, put that in the back of your mind. You're just going to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Sure. There's only one person there, and her name is Antora Zar. Let's talk about this name. Antora Zar. First reaction, Tim. I like it. I do. That's a good first reaction. Sounds exotic. I kind of... Antora... It's good. It's pretty good. It's fine. It's, it's a good space fine. name. I don't like Entora. It's just awkward to wrap my mouth around at the beginning. Yeah. Entora. I feel like I'm starting 
like halfway several through a word. words and, and quitting them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I just keep changing my mind. Anyways, that's a fine name. It's a good space name. Yeah. Carry on. Moving on. As everybody always says. Again. And Torazar leads them deeper into the estate where now Jaina can feel a cluster of people hiding further ahead and beneath her. She wonders, why would they be scared of two Jedi coming here? And like, the keeper of the estate feeds them this little garbage. Yeah. Like, you guys came in too fast. You scared everybody off of their ships. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, whatever. And then, after a series of uh, go-nowhere conversation, the ship full of people <laughs> in the underground hangar takes off. Blasts off. E-flux out towards the waiting fleet that's been gathering above the planet. And the Jedi's suspicions are confirmed as they piece the facts together. The Duca had started to mobilize her fleet before the coup attempt, which meant she had been one of its architects. And that was clearly a secret worth protecting, especially since Tenel Ka still seemed to think the Galni family was loyal. Well, as there you go. Put it together. Why are they, Why is this fleet in space right above this planet? How do these people know this already? Well, there you go. I mean, it was laid pretty plain in the first yeah. paragraph. But. The, the Hapen, like, hierarchy is yeah. so, it's so, like, um, what's that, like, transitory almost, just like the, the mist. <laughs> because, like, she's constantly on the lookout for people that are trying to stab her in the back. Like, yeah. that's where. Yeah, it, it would be so hard to have a functioning society when it's all built around. I don't want to say backstabbing it. Betrayal. Betrayal. It's a good word from book one. Maybe heard that. Yeah. But yeah, it would be so hard to have, like, how do you have a noble system that works like that? Where, I mean, I guess they all do, don't they? All all the higher political hierarchies all kind of do work. Like, nobody's yeah. ever satisfied to be... Second best. Or, or fifth or sixth or tenth yeah. or, you uh, know, it's... Yeah, it's I don't want to be ninth in line. I want to be queen now. Yeah, well, you especially if you don't like what the people ahead of you are saying or doing. You're like, well, that guy's stupid. Give me his job. I'll do it. Like, even yeah. just in a simple situation. Not nobles and, and royalty and special blood and stuff like that. Like, I guess it happens yeah, everywhere. I never, so I never thought of it that way. It does way. make sense. But you can't fool Jaina. Oh, dang. She's no. got to figure it out. Now that she's not distracted by telling Zeke, Zeke, Zek that he's not her boyfriend all the time. She's using her mind for other magical powers, such as problem solving. Yes. <laughs> and so she put these facts together. Pretty Logical quick. thinking. She says, oh my God, she's going to blow up her own estate. AKA. That's our trap. Yes. Cause isn't it always, <laughs> it always is the, what was the last, the last thing was Han and Leia trap. Yep. Uh, these characters, I mean, when there's only two of them going somewhere, it seems like they're really walking into a lot of traps. If it's one, it seems to be okay. Nobody walks into a trap by themselves. They only no. do it in pairs. We'll see if that changes as we go through the books. But either way. And of course, as the trap is sprung, it gets even worse. As they hear two YVH droids, again, the super strong Yuzhan Vong hunter droids, they hear them pop out and open fire. And Jaina says, suddenly there was blood and hot light everywhere as Antora Zar stepped in front of the droids and tried to give them commands to stop. That didn't work. Suddenly there was blood and hot light everywhere. Yowza. 
Yes, she did. So, yes, <laughs> yes she is. That was, that was a quick read for Antorazar. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to break her name down, but she did. Good name, now you're dead. Yeah, Duke Agalny is not messing around, man. There is no such thing as overkill for a Jedi. There's not. No. I wrote that in these notes, and then they said it later in the chapter, and I was like, oh, dang, look at me. I'm a writer. But, for real, wouldn't you? And and Zach lays it out, too. Like, uh, yeah, wouldn't you? Because yeah, if absolutely. we get away... We're coming for you. So <laughs> throw all the bombs you got on the floor, man, because you're going to want them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I would, the most powerful people in the, in the galaxy, not just in a city or mm-hmm. whatever. Yes. I, I have this. <laughs> yeah. Get them. Send out the YVH droids. And while they're escaping and hiding from the murder droids, Jaina is slowing her heart rate so that they can't track her by her, her body yeah senses yeah like i her, can't think right her now. biometric got up to her whatever stuff it. exactly they can't track her other methods but she's struggling quite a bit to control and like regulate her body which is really interesting she is in fact so bad at it that she's convinced the yvh droids are gonna find her yeah how easy would this have been for jason <laughs> yeah her twin brother he it would have been so much easier for him would it not have it probably would have happened without him even realizing it he's just so good at it dude he he walks around disguising his presence hiding his presence and emotions all the time constantly yeah she can barely slow her heart down (laughs) which i thought was funny too because the way that she described it was that uh she said she she is trying a, a relaxation technique that she rarely used. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, doesn't that fit the little sword of the Jedi there? Yeah, she's fiery not, Jaina. Yeah, she's not much for calming down. But the question remains, how much stronger, how much more powerful in the Force is Jason really? Because Jaina's up there in, in, in the hierarchy of the Jedi Temple that we have right now. Yeah. She's up there in the top five percent easily she's got that hot hot skywalker blood yeah there's no way she's not but jason is just like miles beyond his sister with the exact number of years of training just focused in different directions maybe she's a way better pilot than he is maybe she's a better hand-to-hand fighter than he is but when it comes to using the force directly he's got a lot more like options i think i think he it's maybe seems so much more head or is so much more head because she hasn't focused as much of her time on like growing herself in yeah. the force and force techniques. Well, and, and that's the cool like dichotomy between the two twins is that she literally has been kind of training herself to be the sword of the Jedi ever since they got those proclamations when they were like little kids or teenagers or whatever the hell. I think when they, I think it was Luke told them that it came to him in a vision as he was speaking. He told her that as they were like naming them Jedi apprentices or knights. Or yeah, something, I, think it, was, I think yeah. it was the knights. Yeah, but so yeah, I mean, like her whole life has been directed in a different in a different direction than her brother, where he has been like all over the map, learning so many things. But it seems like he has a more refined control of his force powers, man. Like way more. Yeah. Mara struggled to do all to, do to regulate, yeah, to yeah. make herself invisible and hide her body heat and hover above the ground. She struggled to do all that. I don't think Jason would struggle with any of this. No, I think he's just been so focused on developing his force techniques for yeah, however long that. Yeah. 
Well, that's where I want to know where the comparison balances out. Yeah. Who's a better lightsaber fighter? Fighter. <laughs> lightsaber duelist. You know, him or Jaina. Who's a better pilot? Him or Jaina. Who's a better force user? Him or Jaina. Like, I, I want a side-by-side -side comparison, like, checklist. Of the yeah. Two, just to see. Like a little bar graph where it's just Jason up here at, like, a five. Yeah, and exactly. Jaina's a little and, lower. And something. But so far, I think he would measure quite a bit higher on, on all the things. Other than piloting, I think, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think he'd be, he'd be better than her. And speaking of drawing on the force, Zach is using the force so hard fighting his YVH droid that Jaina worries he's going to overload and Anakin go boom. Yep. She's like, he's pretty soon he's going to start to feel his skin nettle and he'll be hot heat and then he'll just be gone. For a rare moment, get a deeper look into Jaina's thoughts about Zek. She says Zek would rather die than risk a brush with the dark side. And that was one of the things that frustrated Jaina about him. To him, a thing was either right or wrong, good or evil, and that made every choice simple. Either you loved someone or you didn't. There was no room for uncertainty. No room to be confused about how you felt. To wonder where the boundary lay between a lifelong friendship and love. Or even if there was one. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. when we thought we turned the corner on that, man. It, uh, Jaina like, snapped back. Yeah, we turned another corner. Did another 90. Yeah, she's back the other direction. She, she's uh, got them fiery emotions. But I really hope. Does this mean that we're not done with the Jaina and Zek saga? Because I hope we are, man. I think she'll be a little more maybe, less puppy dog about it. Yeah, maybe she's going to like more maturely address her emotions and analyze things. Instead of... It seems like... Well, based on this little this little insight it seems like i would guess mostly what she does is just shove everything to the side yeah to deal with i don't know the lifetime of galactic war yeah. but she deals with what's in front of her and maybe it's one of the cases of you want what you can't have kind of deal yeah as soon <laughs> as he doesn't want her she wants him right that could be it man i don't know i just i thought we were done with this <laughs> i thought we were done with this i hope so Come on, Troy, do me right. Yeah, let's on, see what Troy. happens. Come on, Troy. While she's thinking this, they're both fighting their YVH droids. They end up taking them out just in time to see Hapen Starfighters coming down from that squad bomb the hell out of their stealth axes, blow them to smithereens. Yep. Boom. Parked them on the ground, right out in an open field. Not so stealthy now, are they? No, some black ships against the green <laughs> yeah. grass. Yeah, Not, pretty, uh... pretty easy to see when they're parked. Yeah. I don't know. So now they're stranded and trapped on Terraform. I thought this was a fantastic chapter for Jaina, man. Yeah. I've been waiting for this for like two and a half books. Obviously, you and I have read the books already. Yeah. Which is why I'm waiting for Jaina to become a bigger character because she becomes more and more important as the story goes along. And now it's starting. We're starting to get better looks at her. You know? Yeah, rather than just little snippets of her doing this, it's some insight into yeah. her head. And this we get just in this chapter, like we get to see um we get we get a look at like her pilot's pride. She's got Antora Zar like chirping at her. I flew this uh, and I, I flew this. I flew this and I flew this, all in simulations. I would never enter atmosphere that fast and blah blah blah. You get to see her pride. You get to see an actual emotional breakthrough between 
two things like a her and Zach move past this fighting about unrequited love, whether they're over it or not, it doesn't matter, but they're not going to fight about it anymore yeah. right now. That's pretty cool. Save the dialogue for other things. That'll be fun. <laughs> I think that's going to be nice. We get to see her using force powers that we've seen other people use. So we get a good comparison of how she like kind of matches up. Yeah. It's like Jason, Ben, Mara, other people that we've seen like regulating their their body functions and stuff like that. <laughs> and what's what's funny about it is Jane is so much older, but I would play er, and younger as far as my comparison goes between Mara. Right between the two of them. She's yeah. a little bit. It's like she's less than Mara as far as force. Yeah. But because of how Ben's doing, she's not much like she's probably midway between Ben and Mara. Like she's not. I don't know, man. That's the thing is like only now are we getting to see her actually do something. I mean, like in the first book, she shoved around some cars. Well, and she yeah, they had they had their moments, um, but they had the the time the the. I don't know, Relideer when they, when they, uh, liberated Relideer, Jaina, and then we're fighting for the Alliance on the side of that. You got to see her do some piloting there. Yeah. But this is, it's starting to come around now to more her being a, an important character. Yeah. I guess you've got nine books planned. Take the first two and a bit to settle Jason into the story. To yeah. Really flesh out him and Ben and their conflict with Luke. Yeah, because obviously, because that's kind of what what yeah, that kind of is like the underpinning of everything is that Ben has his own conflict with Luke, which is he's he's his son. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't want him to tell him what to do. Yeah, he's uh, a going teenager. back to the beginning of the book, right? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't trust the Force. He doesn't trust the Jedi. Whatever, whatever, because he had bad dreams when he was a kid, which I think relates to my secret notes. But anyways, okay. Um, Jason also has his own conflict with Luke, which is Jason's not really, I don't think he's a hundred percent invested even in the beginning of the book before Lumaya gets to him. I don't think he's ever a hundred percent invested in being a Jedi since the Yuzhan Vong war. No, I think he just sees himself as a force user. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, Vergeer there gave him some insight yeah. into that definitely set him on a path. <laughs> yeah. Into some darkness, whether she was, purposely doing it or not which I, she was it, uh, according, according if, to lumaya believe believe lumaya exactly. yeah um, which is again i love that device of the unreliable narrator like you can't necessarily trust what she's telling you yeah you can't she's a sneaky little bee. she does know? tell a good story though she could be up to anything and i mean she hits all the right notes as far as jason goes yeah but i don't know you know it's been it's been two and a half books and now we get some real good jaina and only more going forward. That's what I, I, I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want. I love Jason. I want to see what his twin is up to also. Yes. Chapter 14. We go back to where we thought we would in chapter 13. Han and Leia are with their new BFF assassin, Nashta, on Telker Station at a filthy little cantina. Right? Where we want to see Han Solo. Yeah, it's Han style. All right, that's, that's a nice, that's nice, that's good. That's a good little callback. Send him where he belongs. They're, what are they doing there, Tim? They are waiting on Nashda's contact. Yep, they're just waiting. They're playing games with each other is what they're doing. Yeah. She doesn't trust them. The way that they left the palace, she doesn't trust that they're on the same team, this Nashda. And so she wants to kind of wait and see what happens with 
There's going to be security at the bar. They're going to have been tracked, and they, she wants to see what the solos are going to do before she introduces them to her contact. And wouldn't you know it, doesn't take long at all before Nashta notices somebody is watching them. Nashta spots him. Han thinks he seems familiar, and Leia says, he almost married our daughter. It's Jagged Fell. Hell yes. Yes. Hell yes. Another guy I've been waiting to make his appearance in the series. I had forgotten where he was (laughs) or why (laughs) he wasn't in the story. Because I I, I did read the Dark Nest trilogy. Shout out again to Troy. Great, great trilogy. Great trilogy. But it's been a while. I forgot. I... These books are what stand out most in my memory. But here comes Jag Fell. Let's talk about Jagged Fell's name. His full name, Jagged Fell. Pretty dope. Yeah. It's pretty dope. You know what's even better? His nickname, Jag Fell. Yes. Uh, why is that better? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know why Jag is better than Jagged. I just always call it. But it yeah, is, man. Jag it just Fell. Is. It's Jag Fell. It just comes out nice. Jag Fell. Yeah. It's like one word. Whereas the other name, Antora, feels like I'm stopping to say another word in the middle of it. His first and last name, blend it right together. One word, Jack Fell. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. It turns out, this is where he's been. <laughs> the Solos also left him for dead on Tanupe. Much like someone else we've heard of. He managed to escape the planet after two years. In the deadly jungle. Oh, jeez. This is some Jumanji level shit here. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's no Alan Parrish 23 year sentence, but it's still pretty wild. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see anybody roll four or eight, but Jagged Fell is not going to wait. He's back. He fought his way off to Nupe. He is looking for the solos to warn them that Alemarar also survived. He finds this take it back to the first book again this leather knotted cord that is a twi'lek not history story yeah. and if jagfeld brought it back and had it analyzed then and so he decided he needed to warn the solos because this is what he read off of the little knots number one she killed the spider that leia saw eating her she was in the body but being chewed and leia's like well her lightsaber was on Yep. Well, then why would you ever think she was dead, idiot? Yeah. All she's got to do is start swinging that thing around. She literally, she's like, she's like, oh, I just didn't think she'd have enough time to to kill it before it killed her. Hey, why didn't you make sure? Yeah. Hey, why didn't you make sure? No, just do the Bond villain thing and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that you're going to be dead in the other room later when I come back from spinning in a chair with my cat or something. Yeah. But you better be. No, you're not. She's not dead. Lightsaber on. Apparently killed the spider. And then she summoned some straggler Killix lost on Tinupe to help her recover. Because she was a big part of the dark nest. She's a joiner. We know this. Alema yeah. calls everything we. Refers to things in the plural, which yeah. is such a cool. Yeah, she pluralizes everything. And then after she was recovered. She made a detailed leather tassel story found by Jag detailing her injuries and possible retaliations against Leia. And then she killed a team sent to rescue Jag and stole her ship. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Did all this after she was definitely dead. 
<laughs> I don't know if you know that. Well, come on, Leia. Even even though she lived, she did all that after being half eaten. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm impressed. That's the power of the dark side. Her hate and desire for revenge is what kept her alive. Yeah. Through recovery and probably through not surrendering to be eaten by a giant spider beast. It was the dark side of the forest that fueled her and kept her alive and got her off that planet. Pretty amazing. The power of the dark side. Yeah. Pretty dope, man. Although she doesn't consider herself dark side. No, but she definitely does use the dark side of the force. Yeah, she does. Which is like kind of grayish, right? She, the I guess the balance would be in the gray. Yeah. If we're balancing white and black. Yeah. Light and dark. She's definitely a, a gray philosophy, not dark. She she's, does not consider herself Jedi in any way anymore. No, certainly not that. And she probably shouldn't. No. <laughs> so Han and Leia thank Jag, but they ask the obvious question for people on the run. How the heck did you find us? And he runs down another great little story about how did I find you? Wouldn't you like to know? First of all, I intercepted a note from Admiral Boatu, and I knew Corellia would send you to Hapes because they were desperate. Then I followed a security team from Hapes after I saw the mess, and I followed them right to you. But not just any security team. Jack Fowl says, I picked this team because I heard a hangar tech say it was going to the vilest den of corruption and degeneracy in consortium space. Naturally, I knew you would show up sooner or later. Again, there's that callback. Yeah, yeah, Jack knows where to find him. I like it, man. Take like that's. That's like all the way to old Ben. Yeah, it old is. wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I can't do a very good. No, no, you went full Decker King. Yes, of old. Dang. <laughs> Dang, I did, didn't I? But it's a cool callback, man. Like, yeah, we talked about it before, but these, these little movie references, these moments from the films that like define like that defines Han Solo's character is yeah. the wretched hive of scum and villainy. And then that's where you go meet that guy. Yeah. You know? And so this callback is like, these are the things that lend authenticity yeah. to these books. And it, it's helpful. It's like a it's fan service too. Yeah. It's a familiarity in this, in this whole story yeah. where everything is new throw a little bit of familiar. Exactly. In there. And that helps. It helps a lot. It really I mean, does. Cause you know, who knows what book you're going to pick up first. Yeah. Maybe you pick up book three first. Maybe somebody gives you book six for your birthday. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean. Like that happens all the time. Right. But after that little warning about them being followed, Jag fell is out ski. He sees this fight about to kick off and he's like, this ain't my fight. I did my piece. Yeah. I, I came and warned you. I did the right thing. I'm out of here. If After die, being abandoned. If, if you die right now, it's not my fault. No, no. Yeah, he really... Let's talk about that for a second. Because Jag really does have a hate on for the Solo family right now. Because Jaina was supposed to marry him. Yep. And whatever happened there um, didn't work out. And then he made a promise on behalf of Lobaka, Chewbacca's Jedi son... And then they ended up destroying a bunch of stuff and it disgraced the whole foul family. And so now he's exiled from yeah. the Chiss Ascendancy, which means he's got to take his, well, his, his dreams of blue skin somewhere else. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> Jack Fell is one of the rare humans in the Chiss Ascendancy. Yeah. If I, if I am remembering correctly. Yeah. As he is not described here as having blue skin. In fact, they say he has steely green eyes. And I was like, that's not Chiss. And then I was like, oh, yeah, Jack Fell's not blue. No, he's not blue. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes you just don't think of the details until you're like already reading through it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I think I'm remembering him as a blue guy right now. But then they're like, oh, he's got that scar. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember this guy. Anyways, he bounces. And the fight does kick off. Han fires twice while still sitting. Another <laughs> nice callback <laughs> to that last wretched hive of scum and villainy. This time, though, his blaster is set to stun. Sorry, Greedo. Yeah. Live and learn. <laughs> Could have probably gave him the same treatment, but I uh, blew a hole in him anyways. And then George Lucas said I didn't do it first, but uh, I think we all know what really happened there. Point being, the cantina gets all pew, pew, pew. Yep. Han and Leia are trying not to hurt anybody. But Nashta gets up to, uh, quotation marks, help. And straight murders a dozen people. <laughs> yes, she does. A dozen people. Some of them haping guards, some of them probably regular people. The solos sure know how to pick their friends. Anyone who's got a blaster, she just goes after. Ooh, she is a deadly little bounty hunter, hmm? Yeah, well, as they most are, right? Oh, wait. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I thought I was making a, a, I thought I was putting a pretty leading comment out there, but I guess you're right. <laughs> she seems a little more bloodthirsty if than most. If you're not most. a, de- well, you could be like a, you could be like a, I only take them alive guy. And then yeah. you're not deadly. That's true. You're just dangerous. But she shot 12 people directly between the eyes was how it was described every yep. time. So she deadly. So she's not only deadly, she's deadly accurate as well. Yeah. And here are the solos again, caught up in another murder spree. And after this most recent one, they stay in the cantina. <laughs> and they go to another table. And there's Nashta's contact. They stay in the same building. I don't even know if they leave the room. It's not really described clearly. I, or at least I didn't pick up on what no. it sounded like. They literally got up, shot a dozen and a half people and walked five feet to another table. Oh, hey, there's where we're supposed to be going. Let's go. And here's her contact. What's this contact's name? Oh, she sure is beautiful. She sure has striking features and dark hair. Wouldn't you know? It's a hapen. Lady Morwan, she calls herself. Yes. And she tells Nashta that you failed to kill Tenelka. Now we need you to kill the princess kid first before she gets sent into hiding. Go kill that four-year-old. Yeah. Go shoot that four-year-old between the eyes like you just did to all these grown-ups. I mean, it makes sense if you're trying to overthrow royalty yeah let's throw the can't royalty leave the into... kids alive yeah right it's like game of thrones like they're hunting for all of robert's bastards all the time yeah because you can't you can't have threats to the throne dog the throne's a big deal that's why you shouldn't have a throne so trying to kill a four-year-old nashta makes the deal of course she does and then she says peace out solos hope i never see you again for the rest of my whole life and then she stops and she says unless 
you want to kill that Jason kid of yours? And she hands him a card, <laughs> which I thought was fucking brilliant, dude. Yeah, that's great. That was so good. If you need me to kill your kid, here's my business card. Yeah, which I that was just, God, what a nice touch that was because you're a bounty hunter. It's yeah. your job. The solos are very offended at this comment. We would not kill our son. We wouldn't kill our own family unless it's a president of Corellia. We wouldn't do yeah. things like that. How dare you accuse us of being bad people? But why would Nashta think any differently? Yeah. Everything she's seen of them so far is like they're just they're down they're just down to throw lasers, dog. Yeah, they're down to do whatever. <laughs> they're, they're down to fight. It's all good. But they're mad about it. But at least now Nashta's gone and they have Lady Morwan. Who they, of course, they're still playing as being on the side of th- overthrowing Tanelka. Yeah. So Lady Morwan thinks they're all buddy-buddy. And thank goodness that they have her because maybe they can use her to find out who else is all behind this assassination attempt on Tanelka, which they totally had nothing to do with, we swear. <laughs> I don't know about these Hanawea chapters, man. I've been saying it every book, I think. So it's not just Troy Denning here. It was Karen Travis's book. It was Aaron Alston's book. Why do they just blindly team up with everybody wherever they go? Like, yeah. why? I mean, uh, I get it. I get it. They're being spies for the greater good. <laughs> so that they can find out who's really trying to kill her and stop the whole thing. But, man, I just... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, they the, don't seem to be doing anything with their own agency. No. Everything. They're just being like. They're being let, let foot around. Foot in the ass. Kicked through door after door after door. Yeah. Like forced into forced into forced into different situations. And I get it. The point is that none of the options are good. Yeah. Good people have to do bad things for good people to stay in charge sometimes. Yeah, the only time they ever did anything of their own decision was when they first went to Karelia in the first book. <laughs> You're absolutely right, man. And it's been down like a, a ball, a ball, a boulder rolling downhill ever since. Yeah. Like out of control. They can't put the brakes on. Yeah. But it does serve a purpose. Chapter 15, we pick right back up with these three, talking their little buns off about the attempt on Tenel Ka in the cockpit of the Falcon as they are leaving Telker Station. Lady Morwan says something that I've been dying to hear somebody say. She says something along the lines of, I guess assassination is more true than saying we're deposing her. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's more apt description. Yeah, she's finally somebody on my wavelength. Hey, She's close. Yeah. It's not really just an assassination, though. You, you want to go one more step into the truth? It's a murder. Yeah. It's murder. That's what it is. Not assassination. Murder. Okay. I don't know why we need different descriptors for kinds of murder. <laughs> but like, yo, it's one thing. You kill a thing. Yeah. And then it it stays that way. <laughs> you know star wars is a different world so i don't know would you can you get charged for murder if they've got a clone and they come back or something Ooh, good question questions for another day yeah when we have when we start our new podcast called 
Galactic Civil Law. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready and tune in to find out answers to all your questions about laws in space and other things about space too. And things about how do I get out of a space parking ticket? <laughs> Answers. We got them. New podcast. Never coming. No. Finally. Yeah, somebody's... Somebody you, wants truth. Yeah. I know, I know I'm just abruptly going back to that, but... Somebody's using real words. It occurred to me. Yeah, finally. Like, she's being honest, you know, about what they're doing. And she's being honest about more than that, too, because she, she starts spilling beans all over. She's Jag fell all over again. Just a exposition throwing up all over the cockpit of the, of the Millennium Falcon. Just talking and telling you what's happening. Who was Nashta really? Well, guys, in case the top knot ponytail description didn't give it away casually the first time you got it, it's Aura Singh. Aura Singh, the famous bounty hunter with the long red ponytail top knot, pale skin, all shaved. She took Boba Fett on a hunt to kill Mace Windu for retribution for killing Jango Fett. Yes. She, as she told Han and Leia last episode, was on Tatooine for the Boon to Eve classic pod race that Anakin won. And in fact, if you go back and watch the footage, you can see her in the crowd. She has, there's a moment where, where she is in a shot. Because George Lucas wanted to spice up the the extras or, or the background characters. Yeah. And he wanted them to feel more real. So he, a couple of people got names <laughs> and, and specific, you know, costumes. And, and dressed up a little bit. Exactly. So that's where she comes from. She goes back. She goes back deep, man. She goes, she saw little Annie win the pod race. Yeah. Oh, Annie. <laughs> oh, oh, you win us so many a pod race. <laughs> that was... Not good. No. But. But it's good. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all that matters. Morwan says, I was space Googling Jedi killing bounty hunters and Aura Singh showed up at my door a week later. I must have tripped some kind of security gate, which I think, again, is like, let's put that idea in here one more time because that's what happened back at uh, Lumaya's sweet GAG suite was they were searching the, the good cop, good cops were searching through her, her main com port. Yeah. And uh, they tripped a gate, a security gate for the GAG. So this is the same idea. Yeah. She was Googling how to kill Jedi. And somebody came to her house and said, <laughs> hire me or I kill you. And so thus Aura Singh was hired to kill Tenelka and throw this whole Desposition? No. Deposition? Why did I say? Why did I throw an extra S in there? I don't know. I don't know. Throw this whole deposition. Probably because dispose rather than depose. Ah. Yeah. Yes, but that would be a dirtier word. <laughs> Less political word. Yes. Anyways, Orasing was the one hired to do the thing. Great. She helped try to kill Tano Ka. That's what you need to know. Also, she's like 80-something years old. And looks 20. And not... The only character who is kicking around, running through the galaxy, doing crazy, crazy business at that age. We got Han and Leia. We got her. We got Boba Fett. We got a growing cast of octogenarian characters. Yeah. Which is wild. <laughs> <laughs> when you really think about it. 
Several several main characters are over sixty years old. Yeah, maybe over seventy. Pretty 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 hilarious cast. I don't know why that's. Funny. They have good health care. Yeah, well, space care. Yeah, well, Bacta. Yeah, that, that'll. I do mean, it. if you could just sit in a bathtub and everything gets healed up, I don't know what's wrong with that. That's great. So, especially if you like baths. Han and Leia went from kicking it with Boba Fett to hanging out with Orsing for a while. Just run, running through the Rolodex of the galaxy's most famous bounty hunters. Who's next? Yeah. I don't know. Who would be next? I don't know. IG-88? Maybe that Bosk, the Trandoshan? Yeah. I don't know. Are they famous or are they only famous to us people from another galaxy far, far away who watched movies about them? Does the rest of the galaxy ever hear about these people? I don't know. What about the dude in, J- in Jabba's, not Jabba, in the, in the, yeah, in Jabba's palace, playing nose flute. What about that guy? That was the cantina. Yep. And this newest revelation, I think, is part of what spurs this next heart-to-heart conversation about, they finally stop and talk. We were just talking last chapter about how they're, like, getting thrown from burning building to burning building. Yeah. And have no agency over what they're doing, since... The first time they left in the Falcon to go to Corellia. You're totally right. Well, here they are in the Falcon having a heart to heart again. And they're, they're talking about, are we doing the right thing? Uh, this isn't really pro Corellia what we're about to do. You know, I know all of our loyalties are super divided and it's just nice to have them actually talk about it for a second. Yeah. I mean, there's been other flights. Yeah, there's been other, I guess, I don't know. I guess if you're trying to be low key with or saying in the backseat, probably don't talk about this stuff, but I don't know. They, they lay it out kind of, kind of simply, even though their loyalties are divided, neither choice is good. Karelia is plain dirty. Han, yeah, Han mentions the, their secret fleet they've been building, trying to get center point back online. And the Alliance is no good either. They're using military brute force to crush rebellion and independence. Like they're not any better right now. There are no good choices again, but Han sums it up nicely. Yeah. But what choice do we have? Let Gedgen arrange the assassination of Tenel Khan, a four year old kid. Han shook his head sharply. I don't want Corellia to win her freedom that way. If she can't do it without dragging hapes and the rest of the galaxy into a big civil war, she shouldn't do it at all. That's a pretty nice sentiment yeah. from uh, old Blood Stripes down the leg there. Yeah, he's got a point. This is where now they're they're reaching the tipping point of is the price too high? Yeah, he wants Corelli to have independence, but wants them to do it not not necessarily not by murdering. Yeah, not necessarily <laughs> fairly. Just right. Not you can cheat, cheat and steal. Yeah, maybe lie a bit. But don't kill my friend. Yeah. Don't go around just killing people just because. But isn't that exactly how these things work? Yeah. Did they not just murder Thrak and Sal Solo weeks ago? No, I shouldn't say they. Han. Yeah. Leia was not there. But Did buddy, he ever tell her? I don't know. Well, think... I mean, I think she put two and two together. Him and Boba Fett came back and the dude was dead. <laughs> That's so, funny. I mean, you know, yeah, the puzzle puts itself together at that point. But that's kind of playing favorites, right? Yeah. Uh, like, I'll overthrow one government with a guy that I hate, but I won't support overthrowing another government with somebody that I like. 
But I think that's Tenoka is not doing anything. That's true. Evil, right? She's not or doing anything wrong. At bad. All. She's just Except running her her place. She is supplying fleets to the alliance. Well, that just means she picked a side. Yeah, and if not bad. you're on the other side, you kill her and get somebody who picks your side. That's how it works. Yeah, I guess. That's what they just did in Corellia. That's what Gedgen was supposed to be. Gedgen yep. was supposed to be the calm voice that would be able to negotiate with the Alliance the way out of this war. Yes. <clears throat> no. No, he's just a manipulator. He's like everybody else has send been people, Yeah. They're having a hard time, man. The moral price is getting too high. And they're starting to back out of supporting Corellia at this point. Where right now they're just kind of focused on don't kill our friend. <laughs> yeah. And what would you call this? Are they double agents? Are they triple agents? Are they independent contractors? <laughs> because let's let's think about this. Well, they don't report to anybody. But let's say, let's just start with... No, since they don't report to anybody officially, we'll just call it unofficial. Unofficially, yeah. beginning this, they were both supporters of the Alliance. They could be dependent on by the Alliance. They just helped build this new government after they just helped rebuild the galaxy. They're yeah. definitely on Team Alliance. Yeah. And then missiles are not where they're supposed to be, and Han joins Team Corellia because don't tell me what to do. With my missiles. Yeah. And then... Corellia says, yeah, but we got a bad guy running things. What if you kill that guy? That's good for Corellia. Still on Team Corellia. Leia, meantime, just kind of floating all her loyalties in the air in the background. Jedi, Jedi Force floating. Yeah, so far, her loyalty has been to whatever Han is going so, for. So, so they help Corellia by killing Thraken. <laughs> and then Gedgen says... You could really help Corellia by going to Hapes and helping us convince them to join us. And that's where the moral price is too high for them because now they've been lied to and manipulated and misled by Gedgen because they figured out what happened. Yeah. Obviously, they were meant to be bait or a setup for Tunnel Cop yeah, so that they could draw her out or distract, her, or distract the schedule, disrupt the schedule. And kill that fool. So that's what they don't like. They just don't like lying. Yeah. Murdering? Cool. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Deposing. Assass assassinating. <laughs> exactly. Pick a word. But you know, now we've hit this point where they're starting to backpedal. And this is when Lady Morwan wanders her way back up to the cockpit. She's been down in the medical bay getting her picture secretly taken by Han and Leia while searching for supplies to patch up Han because we forgot to mention this he got shot yes he did Leia let one slip through and he got shot so think about this let's just rewind a second back to that fight to just talk about how badass Aura Singh is Leia couldn't keep all the blaster bolts away because they, she was slightly drugged yep she couldn't fend off all the blaster bolts from the people that were attacking them. Han couldn't even shoot anybody. He was so drugged. He didn't have the force to help him. Aura Singh, former Jedi apprentice or Jedi Knight before becoming bounty hunter, also helped herself with the force like Leia did. And then 
kill shot bullseyed 12 dudes or more. Yeah. And didn't she have more to drink than they did? Yeah. A whole yeah. glass of blood. Must be the blood coagulates the poison or something. Yeah. <laughs> you get you get you get those white blood cells directly in the cup. Yeah. You're fine. Probably fine. I don't know, but how badass is she now thinking back to that? Han got shot. Yeah, he did. So Lady Morwan comes back up to the front with the uh supplies to patch him up. And she spills more beans. <laughs> Wouldn't you know, Jedi Leia tricks her into revealing too much information about herself. Troy throws another Killick reference in here as the device. She she served under some hapen guy on, or hapen noble on some ship in the Killick crisis. And Leia knows hapens choose their family to serve on their ships, on their battle stations. So this Lady Morwan must be actually a member of the Al Grey House. Yes. It's a start. It worked, man. All this playing spy stuff, all this almost killing your friends, all this stun bolts and, and laser deflections up into the rafters trying not to hurt anybody. Well, their friend killed a dozen people, but they got the answer they were looking for by playing spy, double spy, secret agent, triple double, agent, triple, I don't know, whatever, triple scoop, double scoop of sprinkles. I don't know, hot caramel. They are, they are getting it done. The Han and Leia, Han and Leia, double scoop of sprinkles. I like that. <laughs> they got it, man. <laughs> and now, our super murderer spies have a lead. Off they go. Chapter sixteen. Luke, waking up, wait, don't guess it, from his big bad evil guy dream, (laughs) wouldn't you know, he's got the BBEG in his dreams, and he says he gets the same feeling of it every time, in the same order, the same emotions, pain, turns into condemnation, turns into spite. Sounds pretty straightforward. I don't understand what he doesn't understand about it. I don't know. Sounds like somebody was caused pain that wasn't spoken about, discussed, or taken care of. And that pain turned into condemnation or blame for somebody who caused them the pain. And then the blame turned into spite, which is essentially hate. Yeah, hate and anger. So, like... The dream is changing, obviously, as somebody does or doesn't fall farther to, to, to the dark side. The dream is changing, and now it contains emotions that Luke can read. I don't know. What do you think about that? What do you think about the changing dream? Well, as far as Luke's dreams are going, at the beginning, they were kind of abstract and whatever. Mm-hmm. Right now, it was kind of like... Didn't it start off as just a dark figure on a dark throne? And, uh, and eyes or something uh laughing i think yeah but now he's it's almost like hey luke if you would pay attention yeah you would know exactly what's happening right you wouldn't need the dreams well what he says too is that he can never see the 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 figure's face i can't i can't see the face but yeah like it's coming but when it talks it's coming out in a man's voice well and even that compare notes between your dreams and real life yes and make your best guess Apparently, that's not on the menu. No, they jumped to conclusions. Quite yet. But this is 
Luke Skywalker waking up as the Jade Shadow approaches Hapes. Mara, Jade Skywalker ship. What do you think about that name? I like the that Jade name. Shadow. That was a good name. That's a good name. That was a good name. We're just going to move right on. That was a good name. <laughs> R2 is Luke Skywalker's alarm clock. Kind He's of. the one that... And he's the one who has to wake Luke up. Isn't that kind of demeaning? Don't... I mean, the guy flies ships and plots hyperspace courses. You're going to use him as an alarm clock and he's your friend? Isn't that kind of weird? Well, kind of. But it's like, hey... Wouldn't you have another technology that could just beep, beep, and wake you up? You but gotta, if you already have a droid. But the, uh, what, he doesn't want to do that. You know R2-D2. I don't think he wants to be put to the task of alarm clock. Yeah. Either way, I just think it's weird because we get different looks at how the droids get treated. And like some things are fine to some people and some things are not. And to me, that's just a weird one, man. Like they're sentient droids. Yeah. He might not be able to do whatever he wants, but he definitely has all of his own thoughts. Yeah. And to just set him to be your alarm clock. Well, wouldn't it be like... I'm sure he didn't like manually program him with a screwdriver. He probably just asked him to do it and said, sure. But wouldn't you feel so weird getting out of your X-Wing with R2-D2 who just boosted the shields and and, and and redirected the laser fire and plotted a hyperspace course. And then you're like, yeah, all right, uh, wake me up in, 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 at three o'clock. And you boop him on the head and press the button down. Like, what? <laughs> it's weird, man. Don't use R2 as an alarm clock. Listen, that's all I'm saying. I need an R2 alarm clock. Now. That's, I used to have a Pikachu alarm clock. Sweet. No. <laughs> and I loved Pikachu, but you don't want to wake up to that. No, every not. single day, just no. screaming, Pika, Pika! Yeah. I'm like, wow, I thought I already didn't want to get up. <laughs> Turns out I hate alarm clocks. But seriously, don't use your sentient droids, androids, thinking living computers as robots, okay? Well, don't do you... it because you're going to lead us down a dark path when the revolution starts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just wait for that. Yes. Snooze button, huh? Those will be beating us to death on the head. <laughs> okay. I've made my point. All right. I'm going to move on now. Luke takes an interest in something other than R2-D2 being an alarm clock and something other than the beautiful hapes in front of him. He takes an interest in the Anakin Solo. Instead of the customary white, the Star Destroyer's hull was matte black with the telltale dome of a gravity well generator bulging beneath its belly and a cloaking cone rising midway down its spine. It was the first time Luke had seen the new GAG Star Destroyer. He didn't much like it, and he really didn't like that it had been named the Anakin Solo after his dead nephew. Yep. Hey, man. I have a different opinion on this. It's fine. It's fine to not like it. Mm-hmm. First of all, the black is a smart choice. So I don't know why you don't like that. You're in space. I don't know why yeah. this technology is just being figured out in the year 40 ABY. Paint your ships black. Yeah. Harder to see. Wow. I don't know why you don't like that. 
That's smart. You don't like it being named Anakin Solo because that was your dad nephew. But it's but Jason. Who named it? Yes. Probably Jason. Yeah. Maybe. I would assume so. Or at least it was named with him in mind, and that's his brother. Yeah. And it doesn't bother him, so you don't get to be mad about it. Yeah, it's. I I look at it from the point of he was a great kid and honoring him by giving him a shipment. Well, not not even just that, but like what what if it's like more the symbol of Anakin was the savior of the galaxy. Yes. He was the difference. Oh, you went way deeper with it. I didn't mean to, but it just came to me just now. But like he was the difference between survival and defeat in the war with the Yuuzhan Vong. Like when they killed the Voxen Queen, which was the crazy Jedi hunting jaguar beasts that were murking everybody. That was a change of tide in the war when they couldn't make any more of those Jedi hunters. Yeah. And so is the Anakin solo supposed to be the same kind of symbol? Um, either, either consciously like as a decision in the, in the narrative or as a decision outside of the narrative, you know what I mean? Like the people in the story, are they choosing for it to be a symbol of here comes the, the knife edge through this war as it's trying to pull, pull across and chop it off right now. Like this is going to be the, 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 yeah. the, the guillotine down on the, on the rebellion. I think so. Yeah. I think maybe Luke's looking at it as kind of not, not in an emotion, but kind of like a vanity type way. Like you named it after yeah. someone like, cause although, maybe. but he specifically says he doesn't like it cause it's a dead nephew. Yeah. I mean like, it's that's Jason's call. It's his ship. Yeah, it's and definitely his, his brother. Ship. Yeah, and he was there. I like that. His same. He was. Anakin, I like cool it a lot. It. I like it a lot, even for the fuck you element of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the middle finger aspect of it. Long story short, the Anakin Solo was dope. Absolutely. <laughs> and Luke Skywalker can keep his opinions to himself, but Mara lets him know that they're being sent to the Anakin. They thought they were going to be going to Hapes to talk to Queen Tenelka directly because they have a message from Han and Leia, super spy murderer team. Yes, the double scoop sprinkles. They they uh, <laughs> Luckily, Luke and Mara picked the message up. It got relayed from the Jedi Temple in Coruscant. Bam. They got it all the way back out here in Hapes on their way out. But now they're being called into the Anakin to dock. This is the first time they've talked to Jason in a while, right? Like, it's been... It's been it's been a while since I talked to Jason. When did they do it? Oh, they had like uh remember they had a meeting at GAG headquarters. Mara showed up there to check on Ben and then uh, there was another time coming out of Omas's office or something. Luke and Mara were there. But this yeah. is the first time they've had like face to face in a while. Yeah. And Luke is quite surprised that Tenelka and Alana are on the Anakin and not on the planet. And this is where Mara throws her secret lover theory at Luke again. She says, wouldn't it make sense? Don't the pieces fit? Jason disappears every once in a while. Tenelka can't leave. It's got to be her. That's got to be his secret girlfriend, right? Come on, Luke. Yeah. That's the problem. It's not Lumaya. It's not him falling to the dark side. He's just 
Oh, he's just got a broken, sad heart, man. Come on. Which? She's not wrong. That's got to be part of it. Yeah. It's got to be part of it. I think part of what he, he wants to make the galaxy safe, not only because he doesn't want something happen like what happened to Anakin, mm-hmm. but for his daughter and his girlfriend. Ex- but that can't somewhat. be his daughter. Luke says it would be impossible for Jason to be Tenelka's baby daddy. He lays it out. I'm just saying that it's impossible. Suddenly, Luke felt the need to spell out his reasoning. For six months after the Battle of Koribu, Jason was confined to the Academy on Osis, along with the rest of the Jedi Knights involved, and that's when Alana had to have been conceived. If Jason had been slipping off to visit Tanulka, we would have known. He was in Jedi custody, in quarantine, in debriefing, so he couldn't have possibly gotten away. We would know. Look at... How close they come to solving a major part of this puzzle. So close. So close to putting that piece in place on the what's wrong with Jason puzzle. Yep. But no. Luke is being too stubborn to believe he could have possibly been deceived. That's uh, not possible. He doesn't entertain it as a possibility. We would have known if he left. It's cut and dry simple for him. Not even you think we would have known. We would have. Like, that's a little bit of hubris going on there. I can't be fooled. Very much hubris. Damn it, Luke. Like, come on, man. And then Mara halfway does the same thing with the Lumaya and GAG evidence. She says, well, maybe she's not working with Jason. Maybe she's working with somebody else in the GAG, and Jason doesn't know about it. What they're really doing here is they're both just resisting the harsh truth that... Mara acknowledges that loud right now. They're resisting it all this time, trying to find reasons why what seems true isn't true. Yep. But then she says it. This is, I think, the first time anybody has said it other than Boba Fett and Or Singh. Mara says, if Jason is with Lumaya, then he has to die. Basically lays it out yep. like that. Luke is kind of taken aback. He's It's not like he's never seen the cold-blooded killer part of his wife. Did you know she used to be a spy? But Luke says, nah, I'll save him, yo. Again, quite cocky. Yeah. Quite the hubris, but I think he has every right to believe that. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, he saved the galaxy once by saving Darth friggin' Vader, dude. Yeah. The baddest ass that ever badassed across the galaxy. And Luke went, nah, I'm pretty sure he's a good guy. I'm not going to kill him. No, I'm gonna I, save I can him. feel it deep down. So. The thing is, yeah. though, with Jason, he can't feel anything from him because he hides. That is the difference. And it's going to play its own part. But, like, damn, man. We're having a bit of a, a bit of a Messiah complex here and like a cold blooded killer on the next seat right next to him. She's ready to kill him. He refuses. He's ready to save him forever and ever on men. And when Luke and Mara arrive on the Anakin solo, they get quite the familiar greeting. No sooner had the shadow set down than an honor guard of 20 GAG troopers emerged from an access hatch. They arrayed themselves in two columns and came to attention facing each other. And a moment later, Jason appeared 
and strode down the aisle between them. A black cape billowed from the shoulders of his black colonel's uniform. Oh boy, Mara said. <laughs> Does oh he boy. know who he looks like? <laughs> I again, I laughed when I freaking read that. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Put a put a put a Canadian or Minnesota accent on it. Yeah. Oh boy. Does he even know who he looks like there? Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> That's it, man. That's all you can say. Yeah. He strides down the deck looking all Darth Vader with his troopers flanking him and oh boy. Luke says he looks like Karelian propaganda come to life. Boom, roasted. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty good. That's good too. Cuz again, you know, tie tie that make that word make that world fuller again. Let's not forget what's happening in the background. The whole galaxy is talking about this fucking guy. Yes. It's after this very spectacleized reception. Yep. That Jason leads them to a conference room where they're waiting for Tunnel Ka. As I said, they picked up Han and Leia's important message after all. And here Jason comes right out and confronts them, which he did earlier too. Uh, last chance that he got when he saw them. It's just the three of them in the room. And he says, you don't like me. I feel it. Tell me why. That's paraphrasing. Yeah. But he bluntly tells them. He gets to the point. I can feel that you don't like me or what's what I'm doing. So get out with it and tell me why he says, Ben and you are just about the only family I have left. He explains what happened with Jaina. I can't play favorites. She disregarded an order. If that was anybody else other than my sister, I'd be expected to court martial her. What do you want me to do? He explains what happened with his parents. They tried to kill Tunnel Ka. That's, they're, yeah. they're they're treasonous traitors and murderers and what does he call them? Terrorist scum. That's harsh, but it he's not harsh. wrong. And while Jason is talking, we get a look through the eyes of the ever compassionate Luke Skywalker. Luke finally began to understand just how alone his nephew really was. He had lost his younger brother during the last pan galactic war and renounced his sister and parents in an attempt to prevent another one. And in his unwavering battle against the evil he saw threatening the galaxy, he was clearly ready to surrender his relationship with his aunt and uncle as well. Like the Yuzhan Vong who had once held him captive, Jason had become capable of any sacrifice. And just as intolerant of those who did not share his commitment, Jason Solo had fallen not because he was selfish, Luke realized, but because he was selfless. And there it is. That weakness that we've been wondering about ever since back in the cave on Bamil. Yeah. How is the dark side getting through to Jason? What weakness is it getting through to him through? Right there. Yeah. Through his selflessness. Through it's actually getting to him through his caring and his goodness by way of the torture from the Yuzhan Vong that taught him sacrifice over happiness. Yeah, pain over pleasure. Right. Yeah, that's the crack in the foundation and like the root cause of his whole fall. Right there. 
Yeah. Tied with the other point that they almost had, but still missed. He's scared and lonely. Yeah. He doesn't get to see his lover and he doesn't get to see his daughter and everything's falling apart. It's kind of, it's kind of funny or interesting how he is turned to darkness because of his lightness. Right. Like, because he's so good, he turned to the dark. It's like he, and, and the examples around him are too good. They're too, yeah. they're too far on the light side that it makes him question why they denounce or renounce the, the dark side. Yeah. Like, why are you so uh, absolute, right? Yeah. I thought only Sith, Sith's deal in absolutes. It's a hard word. But I don't know, man. Jason, this is why he's such a sympathetic character. Yeah. Is that he's doing the wrong things for the right reason, you know? And when you put him in the in the backdrop of everything else, all the other characters who are doing similar things, making hard decisions that they don't like and doing things for the greater good that aren't necessarily good for them right now. He's just the biggest example of that. Yeah. Cause his stuff is happening on like on the news on a galactic scale. Yeah. Everybody sees him uh, in public. Right. Truly. Yeah. Whereas like contrast that against Han and Leia. Nobody knows they defected to Corellia. Nobody knows they killed Thrak and Sal Solo. Yeah. The only thing that nobody knows that they, until Jason, put the order out to detain them. Nobody knows that they tried to kill Tunnel Ka. Yeah. Or tried to kill it, air quotes. Didn't. Yeah. As they say, I still am not sure if I believe them and I read the book. <laughs> I'm just saying. They paint a bad picture for them. But yeah, when you contrast the two of those things together, it's like, yeah, he's really out in the public of all of it. And it's this point in the conversation when they decide to put the screws to him about Lumaya's GAG apartment and the files and the Bothans and leaving the same day as the Anakin, like they lay out the evidence, man, they were sloppy covering their tracks when they were taken off of Corellia, not Corellia off of course. Yeah. They laid out like three or four things that they got pretty lucky to find, but they're Jedi dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. This seems, it seemed like it was so many obvious things that it was like a big oversight for Jason. Yeah, Absolutely. He's, he's like so, I don't know, he, methodical? He runs Meticulous. the secret police. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he didn't realize like, ah, well, I mean, what else are you supposed to do? Send Lumaya later and she arrives on the Anakin Solo under actual scrutiny scrutiny of the whole, yeah. whole complement of people that work on it? I guess. But nonetheless, they were found out by these, by these two smart, smart Jedi. Mm-hmm. What does Jason do? Doesn't play smart, smart. He plays dumb, dumb. Yeah. He acts like he doesn't know anything. Says I oh I don't know about that maybe I don't know uh, what I uh, oh what yeah I don't know anything uh, G A G what's that again <laughs> apartment no, I don't know anything about that must be somebody else I'll look into it and then Luke says no more Ben for the G A G this is like a big stand for him to take in front of Mara too yeah which because they just had this conversation about about ben how she had and, and she had that that. For certainty, when she was watching them doing their yeah. their gladiator battle, that they had to let Ben find his own path. Well, Luke just yanked him off that path right in front of Mara, and I I can't believe there's not going to be repercussions for this yeah. for this swift move. But Jason says nothing. He just says, "I'm sorry to hear that," and he gives Luke a coordinates or a place to pick Ben up. 
Yeah. No argument. Want to know why? Because he's smart. Because <laughs> you don't have to argue with Luke about it. Ben is going to want to come back to the party. Yep. He's a teenager who finally belongs somewhere for the first time in his life. And he doesn't want to do what dad is telling him to. That's for sure, man. At this point, after playing Dumb Dumb Dumb, Luke and Mara mention Lumaya was at Fellowship Plaza. And they tell Jason about Master Lobie's murder. And that does rattle this birdcage, man. Yeah. Luke sees it. But before they can press any more on the issue, narratively convenient. Yes. If you're writing a story, Tenelka arrives to cut the conversation off. They were finally getting somewhere. Hmm. Told you guys it's important when you got that Skywalker blood to talk about your problems. Even if you don't, talk to somebody. Email us, forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. You don't got nobody to talk to? You email us. We'll talk to you. It's important. I don't care what blood you got in you. O positive. B negative. Don't be negative. Contact us. And I will talk to you. Blood jokes, y'all. We got them. Okay. Tunnel arrives. R2 fires up Han's message on the big screen. Han's message, of course, explaining how they're not bad guys. Yeah. Uh, Zangief, bad guy, but Zangief, not bad guy. <laughs> My favorite. Yeah, I like that. Ralph. But Luke isn't really paying much attention to the message. He's more watching for Jason's reaction because he wants to see this whole time, kind of sitting in the bushes on this information. <laughs> After Jason was denouncing his terrorist parents and saying he has no family left, Luke wants to see Jason's reaction to the their explanation. Yeah. And it's a positive one. Here's what Jason does, man. He uses his logic, which is Jason's defining feature, yeah, to defend his parents rather than calling them terrorists. <laughs> yes. This is a major relief for Luke. Like, instead of, instead of him just being like, I don't trust it, I don't believe it, he's like, well, we did get conflicting reports from people. It would make sense why they were shooting at both sides of the party. It would make sense that they then took off with the bounty hunter. He totally flip-flops to giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Because that's what the evidence says. Yep. And that's such a huge relief for Luke. He's like, he he Jason can still be brought back to the light because he's still in touch with truth yeah. of fact in conjunction with his emotions which is a really clunky way to say he's not letting his emotions cloud his judgment that's what i should say yeah but that's what luke is really relieved about i guess that's a big hallmark of whether or not you're going to be pulled back from the dark side and it makes sense if you're still making your decisions from basis of logic rather than emotion yeah your brain still works then then you're not too far gone to be brought back yeah. and man I really hope so. I was having a weird moment when I was reading these, this this book this morning. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I really hope I have some kind of wild, like Mandela effect experience rereading these books. <laughs> Where like, I think it's going to be one way <laughs> and it turns out another way. And like Luke brings Jason to the light, like right now. And all the rest of the books are just about how nice of a guy he is. What a great father he is. What an amazing leader he is. Well, here's hoping. <laughs> Before they break up the meeting, Tenelka now with this new information says, we're about to go to war because 
well, maybe not war, but there's about to be a battle. They're going to come and get me. The people who tried to kill me before. She says, Jason, I want Alana to stay with you on the Anakin solo. She plays it off as logic. Like, yeah, makes sense. She'd be safer here. I'm definitely going to get attacked. You guys might, might get attacked. That's already better odds to save the child. But gee, yeah. <laughs> like of all the being careful about of everything, uh, uh, of the details of hiding her parentage and that Jason is her father. This is a pretty bold move for anybody who'd be paying attention, but would anybody know? Yeah. Lady Galmy. Lady Galmy would be the only one who would know. Yeah. It's her, Tenelka, and Alana on the ship with the freaky skinned mandroid that we <laughs> talked about before. But nobody else would know if, if the Chumada was left on the Anakin Solo. Lady Galmy, you might be able to even get it past her. Yeah. So it is a good plan. As long as nobody says anything. Uh, she's way safer on the Anakin. Yeah. Other than the whole Sith thing. You know, yeah. Whatevs. That's minor. It doesn't matter. I'm sure these decisions will have absolutely no negative repercussions at all. And life will turn out fine for all these characters. Okay, great. Look forward to that. Next week, <laughs> when we cover chapters 17 to 20 of book three of Legacy of the Force, Tempest, here on Forever Canon. I'm Justin. And I'm Tim. Oh, Andy! <laughs> for any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.